folks. Welcome to Between the Lines. Peter LaRuffa here. It is Monday, March 27th, 2017. That music you just heard, by the way, comes courtesy of Brad Spence. I'm so appreciative of the time and effort that he would put into making these little jingles for me as I don't know what in the world I'm doing when it comes to podcasting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Comment, tweet, tell me if you like that, if you don't like that, whatever. Um, but I thought that would be cool so it's not just my voice. So today on Between the Lines, I have the uh, unique privilege of interviewing Camille Cates. Camille spoke at uh, Fort Thomas yesterday, our Fort Thomas campus of Grace Fellowship Church. And a little bit of background or backstory of why I'm really doing this is because I'm a little upset. See, for about, I think, six, maybe eight weeks, I don't know if it was that long, but at least a month, four to six weeks, we'd been planning on having Camille come out to church to give a brief presentation. I wanted to be there. I was so excited. I've had the opportunity to minister with her on a couple of different times, but most notably, you remember that time that we were in that, we were in a correctional facility? Yeah. yeah. And that was really, really cool. That was the first time I got to see you in action. That was fun. It was really, really fun. <laughs> and I was blown away by how... Uh, yeah, just how, how God used you and how the kids just had your attention, the inmates, if you will, uh, had, you had their attention and they were just waiting on every word you said. It was so powerful. So I was excited to have you do this again. And then what happens? Well, Brad and I pull the old switcheroo and I end up preaching at our Florence campus and Brad gets to hear you at our Fort Thomas campus. So I'm now getting uh, a little bit of revenge. I don't know on who. No, I'm just deciding I'm going to podcast. So anyway... Welcome to Between the Lines. Thanks, Peter. I'm so glad to be with you. Yeah, I. Um, so all kidding aside, I would like to just follow up with what you said, but then there's people like me who didn't get to hear what you said. So give us a little, uh, before we get into discussing matters and dialogue, and give me a little bit of what you said yesterday about your ministry, about you. Go. Just okay. talk. I want to hear. All right. Uh, well, I talk about Healing Hearts Ministries International. We are a gospel-centered, grace-driven ministry to help those who are hurting um, through Christ and His Word uh, for those who have been broken by sin. So uh, we deal with a lot of traumatic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those issues is abortion. Uh, the ministry started out back in the late 80s. Um, as a post-abortion trauma ministry and uh, since then has just morphed over the years as we went through God's word intensively, um, dealing with issues of the heart, not just abortion, um, that we found people coming to us and saying, okay, I want to do your post-abortion study even though I'm not post-abortive. So uh, we have branched out into other materials to help people really connect God's word to their real life. Mm-hmm. And when you say people are coming, help me understand, people wanted to do your post-abortive Bible study, but they weren't post-abortive. Correct. Why? So um, we were sharing, like for an example, I shared my own post-abortion testimony in church one Sunday. And uh, afterwards, women would just come up to us and say, okay, I see what God's done in your life. I don't have an abortion in my past, but I have sexual abuse or I have domestic violence or I've been through a terrible divorce or Mm -hmm. I've lost a baby or whatever it is. And they're hurting Mm -hmm. and they see that we're not just a total mess Mm -hmm. anymore um, and that God's done a work in us and they want that. And Mm so uh, we branched out into these other Bible studies as well. So Gotcha. Yeah. I've always been, maybe you can comment to this and uh, I have always been, I don't want to say surprised, but I don't think people realize in general that um, even the most staunch pro-life person, conservative Christian, 
God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing Christian who loves the Lord and loves the unborn. It doesn't mean they're not affected by abortion in some way, shape, or form, and you'd be surprised as to how many have, have one or even multiple ones in their past. The amount of time I've spent at uh, our church, Grace Fellowship Church, and then at my church back in New York, and just interacting with different people, um, it's... It's it's out there. It's it, and I feel like it's not something that I think we assume it's just out there. I shouldn't say it's out there. We say it's just out there, and we're we're really staunch pro life. Uh, we fight for the the rights of the unborn. We want to see abortion eradicated uh, once and for all. That's our prayer. That's our hope. Right. But I feel like we assume it's not among us. It's just among them. But it is. It's in the church. Right. And uh, the statistic is that um, about 37% of professing Protestant Christian women have had an abortion. That's one out of three women sitting in the pew every Sunday. Mm -hmm. So, And that's just the women. I mean, there's takes two people uh, to get pregnant, and usually two people are affected by an abortion. So uh, there are men out there as well that are hurting or confused uh, as well. So... Yeah, it's in the church, and um, it's more common than you would think. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm one of those women, and I've met many, many women uh, in our church body over the years. And I just uh, praise God that I've gotten to walk with a lot of them to find healing mm-hmm. and um, just some really awesome experiences. I remember sitting with one of our um, gals at church as, we, as she was going through the post-abortion study, and she just said, Camille, I have never put a pronoun to my baby that I aborted. I would always say the child, the abortion. Hmm. And she said, now she's like, it's my baby. That was my baby. And so it's really um, interesting what the sin of abortion does to the, the heart, the mind, um, the soul. And, and she, she had never experienced that. So mm-hmm. that was very um, freeing for her and allowing her to grieve her sin before the Lord but also to grieve the loss of her baby. Yeah. And I would assume, like you know, you said one in 37 women who would claim, would check off a box of being Protestant, evangelical Christians, mm-hmm. have had an abortion in their in their past. That's that's a statistic that you know. Right. For those of us who, have, who are not post-abortive, so I have two questions. Those of us who are not post-abortive, we don't know that. Right. My, but my other concern is what about the lady who is post-abortive and doesn't know that and sits in our church? Our church has, goodness, 1,800 people across two campuses. Right, right. Does she typically think, I'm the only one? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I bet I'm the only one. Nobody knows. Perish the thought that somebody would yes. know. Yes, unless they've connected with other people in the body of Christ. Uh, I think it's very much a feeling of isolation. I'm the only one. Uh, everybody else around me has walked walked the good walk, and right. and I haven't. I have this in my past. I know when when I first kind of came to grips with my abortion, I was actually at a women's conference, hmm. and uh, there was a, a singer there who sang uh, a beautiful song called "The Baby's Prayer," and I lost it, hmm. and I just I was openly weeping. And the first thought is is going through my mind is, oh my gosh, I'm exposed in front of thousands of people. And so because I hadn't dealt with my abortion, I was, I was scared. I, I felt fear. I felt shame all over again, wondering about um, my church ladies that were with me. I happened to be pregnant at the time with my, uh, uh, our, my, mine and my husband's first uh, child together. And uh, my, 
my friends just blew it off as, oh, she's hormonal, she's pregnant. <laughs> and so, I mean, that was a grace of God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I would say that, that the woman sitting in the pew every Sunday, she's probably thinking, I'm the only one here. Mm-hmm. Or there might be one other lady, but, you know, we're never going to talk about this. Right. Why is it important for that lady to know there are others here? Why is that important? Because, yeah, I don't know. How, how does that affect now that she knows, oh, I'm not alone. One in every three, you do the math. Oh, my gosh, I might really not be, like, for real not be alone. It might not just right. be me one and that one other lady over there. There's probably many. In our church like ours, it could be dozens. Why is that information important? How does it serve that woman who hears that? Does that encourage? Does that maybe? How does it serve you to know that? Yeah, I think it encourages. Um, it encourages them because, you know, they they may have in their minds, I have committed the unforgivable sin, which we know is not true biblically, <clears throat> but they may feel that way. And so to know, you know, there are other people in the body of Christ that have ex- experienced this. They know that they're not alone, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that gives gives them comfort. I know that when um, I first reached out to Healing Hearts to go through their, their post-abortion Bible study, when I got their materials, uh, I was reading that it was a, a post-abortion study written by someone who was post-abortive. That may be surprising, but there are a lot of materials that are written. Now, you reached people. out for the help yourself, is what you're saying? I did. Okay, I did. so this is, you reached out. Okay, yeah. as someone wanting help. As somebody wanting, wanting help. And and it was comforting to me to know that the person I was going to be talking to, the person I was going to be going through the Bible study with, had had an abortion themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just um, took my guard down immediately, mm. which was so comforting. And um, I found that over the years as I've walked along, alongside women, either one-on-one through our, through our post-abortion Bible study or in a group, um, that there is just um, that immediate wall just comes down when they know this person gets me. This person has seen and experienced much of the same trauma and sin mm-hmm. uh, that I have experienced. So um, it's just it's a, a grace of God. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Help me understand um, when you uh, are speaking with women. Uh, even as a post-abortive woman, is that automatically like if someone hears your, you know, I, I've seen um, when a woman has a, a miscarriage, mm-hmm. women come out of the woodwork mm-hmm. to help and to say, I've had two, I've had five, yes. I've had three, and they support one another. Mm-hmm. Does that happen with this or is it not so much? There's so much shame it's still taboo i would say for the most part because um they know that the person that they're speaking with and sharing with has had an abortion um that that doesn't hinder them in fact um there was a group that i was in we had just watched um healing hearts has a testimonial video and you can find it on our website at healinghearts.org but we had just watched that as a group together and at the end of it one of the ladies um leans over and she says i have to make a confession Uh, I knew all of these women were Mm post-abortive, but she said, I have to make a confession. Um, I've had two abortions, and I've never told anyone until just now. Ever told a soul. And then the next lady pipes up, and she says, well, I have to confess. I've had three. 
And I've never told anybody about the other ones Mm -hmm. until just now. And then the fourth lady, to my surprise, said, I have had four. And I've never told anybody until just now. So I think, you know, they... Transparency breeds transparency. It's transparency, and it, it allows those women to grieve and, and give personhood to each one of those children. Mm-hmm. Because when you have, and I've only had one abortion, but I have friends that have had multiple abortions in mm-hmm. their past. And I think it's really easy just to be like, I've had an abortion. Um, because to, to say, well, no, I, I just have had more than one, mm-hmm. it is, uh, adds shame and condemnation to them. Mm-hmm. And so when they're able to find freedom and saying, these are my my babies that I've aborted. There's such um, such grace and mercy yeah. in that, and um, so it, it opens that freedom and that transparency that you said. Yeah, definitely. And help maybe you could help us understand also. Um, a post-abortive woman, I think, I think you would say, and I would agree, is in a pretty unique situation, even after having come to Christ. Even she's saved, she loves her some Jesus, she's plugged into a church, she loves the Word of God, um, and maybe she has, you know, we say a lot of things and we mean it, you know, mm-hmm. nail it to the cross, lay it all down, Jesus died for that sin, uh, he bled and died and paid for that sin fully, God is satisfied, and that's true, it's been mm-hmm. paid in full. Yeah. And we wouldn't say that's not enough, like theologically we know that's enough, it's totally been paid right. in full, but... Personally and emotionally, she might have to, maybe you would say she might have to, or she does have to deal with it and think through it and walk through certain steps to really get to a place of having dealt with that. That's pretty, that, that's pretty unique, I think, that not every, not every sin of our past necessarily requires that thought process. We could just leave it behind. It's, it's not something I want to I think about. It's one and done. What is unique? Is it unique? Are ladies in a unique position that they really should think through this? Or do you think it's a lot of psychobabble? No, what do you I, think? I, I think that there is because um, because of the heart. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, just to give you an example, like I was raised in the church. I was actually a believer. Um, obviously a, a very immature believer, not grounded in the word at the time that I had my abortion. So... Um, but I grew up good Southern Baptist girl, so I knew God's grace and I knew God's forgiveness um, for my past abortion, but I didn't realize or know my God as healer. And he is. That's one of his attributes. He's mm-hmm. a healer. And sin um, affects us. We're, we're, the Bible talks about um, the brokenhearted and that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I think until we can take that brokenheartedness to him, mm-hmm. um, we, we haven't experienced him as healer. Forgiveness is part of that. Knowing mm-hmm. God's grace and mercy is part of that. Um, but I think because of the heart, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we have to go back with the Lord because uh, there are root um, things in our heart. We talk about idolatry mm-hmm. and the Bible study. And some people, I mean, we talk about it with other sin, that there's idols of the heart, that mm-hmm. then we see sinful behavior because of that. Abortion is no different. Mm-hmm. There was an idol in our heart, usually fear or control or some kind of selfish desire, selfish motive um, that perpetuates choosing to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a lot of women 
And men will just stuff that in their past. So they we call it putting it under the blood, which is true. That's where it belongs. Right. But then they're walking around church and trying to serve with a spiritual limp. And God has hmm. called us to run the race. And I find that when we have stuff in our life that's not fully healed, we're not going to run well. Mm-hmm. And so they don't realize how it's affected their marriages and their parenting and other relationships and ultimately their intimacy and their relationship with God. Hmm. So I think it's very, it's vital um, for the post-abortive woman not just to say, okay, I know that I've been forgiven of that, I've confessed it, I've repented of that. Um, be healed. God wants you to walk mm-hmm. um, whole. And so that's my encouragement to um, those who are listening who are post-abortive. Yeah, to, to you're not making less of what Christ has done on the cross by any stretch of the imagination. I don't hear that. I know you well enough to know you're not saying that. But just that in reality, in our everyday life, even with the full confidence that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to pay for that sin, Absolutely. I like that picture of a limp. Why walk with a limp when you can run yeah. the race with endurance, yeah. um, looking to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, instead of looking to Jesus with my abortion in my way. I kind of see him, right. but my view's a little clouded because I have to look past my abortion. I have to look past my past right. when, when in reality we could just leave that in our past. Right. Um, that's really, really helpful. Um, let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, a little bit about uh, ab- abortion in and of itself and the pro-life uh, anti-abortion uh, movement, if you will. Sure. Um, you, it, it's occurring to me just as you're speaking now, you are dealing with, well, you're dealing with people. You're serving people, hearts, lives, souls. Um, but you're kind of coming at abortion. A lot of us come at abortion from the preventative side before the abortion. We want to prevent it. We want to make sure it doesn't happen. We want to legislate against it. We want to see it stopped. We want to see it eradicated. We don't want any babies to be murdered. Right. Surely you would agree with that. Absolutely. You're coming at it from the other side of saying, but since it does, or since it did, right. we now need to we now need to provide help. Yeah, we need to be ready um, to give an answer. We need to provide help to those who are hurting that make those um, simple choices and walk with them uh, with grace and mercy. So, um, yeah, I, I heard somebody recently talk about they, uh, a different spin, and we'll always put different semantics on things because mm-hmm. it's fun and catchy, but... I really liked it. She uh, was talking about being pro-love. And I think that that gives it a better gospel emphasis that um, when we come at these issues, we need to come at it as um, image bearers of God that are dispensing his love Mm -hmm. to those that we come against so or come up and meet. So whether it's somebody that's contemplating an abortion, we need to be pro-love mm-hmm. and helping them find answers and have resources and all those things to make um, cho- the choice of life for their baby. But for the post-abortive person who's already made that choice, mm-hmm. we've got to bring the same hope and the same sometimes the same kind of resources and the same kind of help mm-hmm. um, that we were willing to offer uh, before that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the mercy of our God. So... Uh, I love that, pro-love. Yeah, Um, that's really helpful. I think also if we as the church, we as Christians want to be so staunch and so strongly opposed to abortion, if you don't match that enthusiasm, that passion on the other side, Mm -hmm. all the stuff on the other side is judgmentalism and shame. Right. So we hate abortion. We want it done. It's murder. It's not a medical procedure. Mm -hmm. 
And then if you're quiet on the other side of the abortion, Mm -hmm. all that person lives with is, I know Jesus paid for my sins, but I'm a murderer. I know that I'm a new creation, but I still have shame. I don't know how to reconcile those. And there's that limp, right? Right. Right. Because we really are strong on the front end, on on the preventative end. But if you... If you did do that, if you did make that that terrible decision, mm-hmm. okay, well, you're sorry about it. It was nailed at the cross. We kind of don't want to just make like right. it's all better now. Right. And then we'll be really loud on the other end. I feel like that's Im- a little imbalanced. Yeah, I, I think that it is. And, and it's hard. I mean, people are passionate about what God's passionate about. Right. God is very much pro-life. I mm-hmm. say that all the time. But he's also... Um, very much for the sinner, or he wouldn't have sent his son. Yes. He did. So God is for us, not against us. So mm-hmm. wherever we are in our walk with the Lord, whatever's in our past, he is for us to transform us into Christ's likeness. Mm-hmm. So um, we need to be as passionate and as committed. Mm-hmm. I think committed is a good word on the front end of helping uh, women choose life as we are. Um, for those who didn't choose life, and we're committed to walk with them, and we're passionate about being um, grace-filled and truth-filled. Mm-hmm. I love that you preached a sermon um, a while back, and that has always stuck in my head about Jesus being uh, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're unbalanced yeah. a lot of times in, in the body of Christ, and so it's learning. God, help me to have that balance. Do I need to give a little bit? bit more truth in this situation or do I need to extend a little bit more grace because they really have the truth in their face right and so I need to be gracious or you know they're acting like this is no big deal and I need to give a little bit heavy truth here Mm -hmm. and uh, I think you know sometimes we just give blanket statements and I just feel like I mean Jesus was such a good communicator he's perfect so Mm -hmm. but I love that he asked questions a lot Mm-hmm. And I think we need to learn from that. I've learned from that when um, people are hurting or struggling. Ask them their story. Ask them good questions about their thought process so mm-hmm. that you can understand what they're thinking, where they're coming from, where some of the error is that you can gently take them back to truth. And that's what the Bible says, to do it gently. Right. And we're not always doing that. Sometimes we're really harsh and heavy-handed mm-hmm. um, in our tone. And, and in the, the words that we use. Particularly people who um, uh, who take the Bible seriously, which not every not everybody who calls themselves a Christian does. That's right. And people who are all about the book, all about the truth. Um, we just major on truth and we assume someone else will come and clean it up with a little grace. But it's like, well, I'm just I'm just passionate about truth. Well, congratulations on not being like Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus is he's not fifty fifty. No. And there's not grace, Jesus, and there's truth, Jesus. He's full of grace and full of truth. Yes. You figure out the math. He's 100% of both. That's just who he is. And that's who we should be striving towards. Yeah. So so help me think. Uh, yeah, let, let me come at it from this end. So I took, I don't know if you know, I went to the March for Life in D.C. I think I, yeah, I with, think I remember that. With yeah, Justin. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a really, really great experience. Um, I'm pretty, I think... Uh, I'm probably about as conservative as you can be when it comes to the issue of mm-hmm. of, uh, of the sanctity of human life. Um, I have I've had pro-lifers say that's a bit much sometimes. I know I don't know if that's good or bad. If that <laughs> indicates too much passion on my part or a weakness in their part, whatever. But I am I am pro-life. Mm-hmm. But talk to me about 
talk to me from the perspective of a post-abortive woman dealing with somebody like me who is passionate about um, the sanctity of the unborn, the sanctity of human life. What should I be considering? I, I think people have itchy Twitter fingers. Mm-hmm. I think people Absolutely. just just post and mm-hmm. they just they just they feel good about it. Yeah. I don't think I'm above that. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I try to not be that way. Right. I'm sure there's parts of. I'm sure if you look through the feeds of my social media. I'm sure there's some of it's there. I'm trying to not be that way. What should I consider as I want to get truth out, as I want people to know this is not a medical procedure. This is this is the murdering of the unborn. This is something that is rarely depicted. We won't get into news, but I mean it's rarely depicted because you see people, you know, you see refugees on tires you know, grasping for their next breath of air as they try to get to another country. You right. see people being persecuted. And when it comes to abortion, you see people in lab coats. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's sanitized. Right. So you want people to realize, guys, we've gotten used to this. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. All of which is true. All of which I think you'd agree with. Mm-hmm. However, what should I take into consideration as I want people to realize that how should I consider the post-abortive woman who maybe does realize that? And should that affect what I say? Not I should go light on truth. Should I go? Yeah. What do you... Help me Help me oh, think man. through that lens. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's super I'll easy. Try. I'll, yeah, thanks, Peter, for that one. Um, <laughs> You're Camille my, Cates. My wheels I mean, are spinning. No, um, as you were talking, I mean, what kept coming in my mind was, you know, we need to focus on the beauty of God's truth. And when I say that, what I mean is um, talking about life biblically using biblical text. Mm-hmm. So when you're you're looking at passages that talk about children are a fruit of the womb and they're a reward from the Lord, um, passages like Psalm 139 where it talks about how God knows us intimately, yes. how he knits us Knows our together. thoughts from afar. Yeah, yeah. And I think diving into those scriptures and maybe pulling out nuggets of those and then asking a good question. Hmm. If he is the author of life, that's how I come at it as opposed to board of women. When I'm talking about Mm -hmm. pro-life issues, I'll say, I'll talk about him being the author of life and that these um, little ones in our womb are image bearers. Right. And that's why it is wrong Mm -hmm. to take life. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think coming at it from the way that God sees it, which is beautiful, and that he is the author, and that gives us no right to be the taker mm-hmm. of life from birth, you know, conception to death. Mm-hmm. Um, he is sovereign over that. And so I think the more that we can get people to know God and see him versus knowing our issue, like this is our issue. I am pro-life. Mm-hmm. It is wrong to do this. It's a very negative um put up your dukes kind of way to come at it. And I think you're going to find people putting up their dukes and giving you a one-two punch right back. Mm -hmm. But when you lay out the beauty of what God says in his word about life, it's hardly arguable. Hardly arguable, meaning? You can't, how can you argue when you see in scripture that he's he's the author of life, he's knit together in the womb, he makes in the secret places, Mm -hmm. um, 
off, op, open it up for questions after mm-hmm. they've, they've looked at biblical truth. Mm-hmm. What, what questions do you have with that? And then walk with them through other parts of God's word that answer those questions. So mm-hmm. um, that's usually how I come at um, addressing some of, of those issues when I see them uh, on social media mm-hmm. or um, in an article. So, um, Yeah, what would you say about, you know, we've spent the last two weeks here at our church talking about mercy um, in the context of our, we have this We Are Family sermon series. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been looking at mercy. Um, Brad and I used two different texts. Brad was from Luke. I, I did John, uh, John 8 yesterday. And um, where does mercy come into play when it comes... What a broad question, Camille. That's so mm-hmm. not fair. But uh, there's got to be some... When I think of how I have treated and continue to sometimes think... Uh, I may be better in my actions, but sometimes my thought process may not be all the way there. And God, I feel like God probably knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, treating this issue with the uh, contempt and what I think to be righteous anger mm-hmm. um, oftentimes lacks mercy mm-hmm. for the people involved. Mm-hmm. How... Um, I'm not even sure how to ask this. This is real, folks. This is just, it's unscripted. What do you want me to say? Um, How should the fact that I've been treated with mercy by God, Mm -hmm. uh, that I've been recipients, uh, that we who are Christians have been recipients of His grace, that all we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah 53, 6, each to his own way, but the Lord has laid upon him, Christ, the iniquity of us all, how should that affect me and balance out, in your opinion, the passion we have, the hatred we have for what God hates, but then also treating people as the human beings that we're fighting for mm-hmm. who are outside the womb? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think oftentimes, and we, uh, you and I spoke a little before this, uh, we're so passionate for the people inside the womb, right. um, but we don't give a rip about the post-abortive woman because she's already born and made that decision. Right. And the pro-choice side is really just the opposite. They're so passionate about the woman who's outside the womb, uh, but doesn't give a rip about. The, it's actually thinking along the same right. lines. Doesn't give a rip about the person inside the womb. Right. How does how uh, help me think mercifully, passionately against it, but also mercifully, particularly as a lady who's post-abortive? Where should mercy come into play as I think, pray, post, live life? Mm-hmm. So in thinking about uh, being merciful. Not just that I am uh, the chief of sinners, and uh, not just because I've had an abortion, um, but also that to know the doctrine of the depravity of the human heart. Like, I am depraved, mm-hmm. and I think it's helped me as I've learned more uh, biblical doctrine on that topic that I'm capable of anything, mm-hmm. given the right circle or the wrong circumstance and situation I'm capable of doing any and committing any sin right um, it's only by God's grace mm-hmm. um, that he's kept me from some of those things um, personally just a little bit of, of my story I mean my abortion was um, kind of took t- took place in a tragic circumstance um, I had been a single mom I was single, sexually active as a teenager 
I'd gotten pregnant. I felt like one of the statistics. So I had chosen life. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I had a daughter and uh, felt like I was a statistic. The young man had left that relationship. And so here I was, you know, um, v- being very supported in my choice for life uh, by my church and my family and uh, got involved in another relationship and became pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And uh, that young man and I were co- contemplating marriage and um, were moving towards that. Um, but he had um, committed a grievous sin against me. Um, and while he was watching my daughter one night, he sexually assaulted her and shook her to death. And Did you say shook her to shook death? Shook her to death legally, or she was legally brain dead. So sexually assaulted her and then through the trauma to try and get her to be quiet, I think, um, shook her to death. Mm-hmm. And God has shown me so much through that and through forgiving what most people would say that is a horrible, horrific sin. I can't tell you how many people tell me that he should burn in hell. Mm-hmm. He should rot. He's, he's horrible. He's despicable. Um, yet here I am carrying his baby and I, I make the decision to have an abortion. And God showed me through that passage. He used the passage in um, Matthew 18 to really show me um, we're both um, people in need of mercy. Mm-hmm. And um, what he had done to my daughter was really no different um, to what I did uh, with the abortion of our baby. And so... Um, not everybody's going to have an experience that's that's that radical. Like you're right. both, I mean, you're both murderers. You're mm-hmm. both you both have taken life. Um, you both have um, hurt an innocent life in, in uh, so many violent ways. That a violent because abortion is violent. Um, but God used that in my heart to show me, like Camille, you you are not above mm-hmm. um, him. You both are um, recipients. Need to be recipients of mercy. So. Um, that's that's one thing that's helped me. I think for for somebody who is um, pro life and they're very passionate about it, to remember mm-hmm. um, Christ died for you, um, just like He uh, has made a way for a post aborted man or woman to be, become saved. Um, he made that same way for you, and uh, to not extend that mercy is to be merciless, right? Um, to the one that you're trying to speak. Speak to. Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. And um, I really appreciate you sharing uh, that level of detail about what the Lord has done in your life. Um, Hey, Camille, quickly before we leave, speak to the uh, speak to the the post-abortive woman now who is maybe on the fence about contacting Healing Hearts, maybe heard you yesterday, maybe is even listening to this right now. But it's just like, yeah, but still, I don't know. What would you say to her? Before we go, I would encourage her not to go one more day and, and not to say this is of this isn't a good season for me. Um, reach out, get help. Um, God's word is so rich um, and there's so much available to us in it. But a lot of times we don't know where to go. Um, but I, I promise there's so many rich treasures in his word um, that can address the heart and uh, not only your abortion but uh, but other areas mm. of your heart as well and he wants us to run the race 
I want to cross the finish line in a full sprint, Peter, if I can. <laughs> I don't know who's with me, right. but if you're listening and, and that's in your past, I want to encourage you. Um, you may have a limp and not even know it. And I want us to um, be able to run the race and, and um, finish well. So I, I would encourage you to do that. Cool. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Camille, both for speaking yesterday at our church and sharing a little bit about your ministry there, but now taking this extended time. I have now, yesterday they only heard you for five minutes. Now I got to spend 37 minutes and six seconds. So I'm winning. Thanks. It's not a competition, but I'm winning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no. Uh, But seriously, uh, please do check out healinghearts.org. Click on that Get Help Now tab and see if the Lord might uh, have this uh, be used in your life to help you run the race uh, with endurance uh, and run well and run fast and run hard because there really is no need to limp. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for sinners like you and like me so that we could limp through this life and get to heaven. He wants us to run. Uh, So it's my hope and my prayer that uh, you would contact healinghearts.org, click on Get Help Now, and see how uh, you might be ministered to by what God is doing through this awesome awesome ministry. I'm going to post a link to uh, Camille's, uh, the website that Camille mentioned and that I just mentioned, healinghearts.org, uh, on my um, on my website. Uh, so you can log on to peterlarufa.com and uh, you can get all the pertinent information from uh, this podcast there. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope you have a blessed day.